0: Welcome to episode 29 of The Book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. Nice to see you, Chris. Hello, Emily. <laughs> I am just back from a lovely vacation in Cape Cod. I got home late last night, and um, I had never been to the Cape, and it was beautiful. Beautiful. Went with my gentleman caller <laughs> had a really good time. So I have a big smile on my yes, face. Yes, she does. <laughs> and the gentleman caller made his first appearance on the Book Cougars
1: Facebook page.
0: That's right. That's right. If you're on social media and actually I guess I should put it on our our bookcougars dot com website. Sure. Yeah. Um yes, I, I begged and pleaded with him to take a picture of him standing in a bookstore and he agreed. Well, he looked very happy (laughs) And then when I started to have some some play where people were commenting And I started to tell him he wanted me to pull it down So So I stopped talking about it (laughs) Well, it's good to have you back, I missed you I missed you too I feel like you were gone so much longer I know, I know, I was really only gone, what, eight days, (laughs) I think But it does, I mean, we're used to seeing each other You know, at least once during the week So Mm -hmm. yes, it's nice to be sitting at a table with you so what did you read? What, what did you just read while I was away?
1: Well, I have just read a really awesome book that I, I got. I heard about it when we went to Book Expo. Oh. It was f- from Naval Institute Press. It's OSS Operation Blackmail. One Woman's Covert War Against the Imperial Japanese Army. It's by Ann Todd about Elizabeth Betty McIntosh, who was an OSS agent during World War II. So, I got this book, actually, through a giveaway through Shelf Awareness, oh. which is how it came to me. And when it arrived, I in the mail, I thought, where did this, like, I'm not sure which avenue it came through, but there was a nice letter saying, congratulations, you won this through Shelf Awareness, which is nice. Um, so, Shelf Awareness is a cool thing. We could talk about that down the road. But if you don't know it, Google it and sign up for their email. They, I guess I'm talking about it now, huh? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Feel free. <laughs> they have a an email for readers and then they have one for people in the book profession. And I think they're both really interesting and informative. The one for readers is more about books and authors and the one for professional folks deals with bookstore news and hirings going on, changes in the industry and whatnot.
0: Right. Which is kind of cool even as a reader because it talks about stores that are opening and closing and, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So very cool. So that's how
1: the book came to me. And I was really happy that it came because I I was interested in it at Book Expo and they didn't have any advanced reader copies at that time. So Betty McIntosh was a reporter in Hawaii when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And she was married to a guy who ended up, he was a reporter as well. They both ended up working for the government in the OSS. At first, Betty became a war correspondent and was a little bit... Disgruntled by the gender restrictions against being able to go to different sites, she took a job in D.C. and, again, had the similar gender blockade going on. So she eventually is approached by somebody and said, hey, have you ever considered working for the government? Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of spy thing, saying, here, fill this application out, get it in really quickly. So she's hired. She takes a job that she doesn't even know what it is, and it turns out working for the OSS, and if that rings a bell for people who are not into military and World War II things, that is the same service that Julia Child and her husband Paul worked in during World War II. And they worked together, actually. Betty was with, with the same group, and Julia Child and Paul were not married at the time, so there is that kind of story going throughout that Julia was kind of strategically biding her time to get Paul, because he was <laughs> dating all these other women. Anyway, it's just a small <laughs> side a thing. Aside. Yeah, a little aside thing. But um, so it really talks about Betty's training in the OSS. It it gives some background, too, to the tension between the OSS and other agencies in the government. A lot of the tension and squabbles were due to personality conflicts with people who led these different agencies, But eventually she gets sent to India, she's in China, and her specialty was black propaganda, which is a type of propaganda that is not based on fact. So let me back up. You have uh, the Office of War Information during World War II, and that was white propaganda. And I do that with air quotes. But that was all propaganda that was based on truth. That was designed to get the American people to do certain things, like buy war bonds and you know support the troops and grow a victory garden and don 't eat meat and things like that uh, to keep morale up mm. and to you know make sure all the materials that are available could mainly go to the war effort on the other hand, you have them doing things like dropping leaflets. In behind enemy lines, saying things like, you know, this could have been a bomb, you know, surrender, don't, f-, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and that I'm not really explaining that very well, but you can the guess. sense. Okay. Yeah. So, but black propaganda at the time was very much looked down upon because people thought it was just evil and insidious because what you're doing is it's a form of psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. It's very much underground, I guess you could say. So, one of the things that they, their mission was was to help make the japanese soldier want to no longer fight to surrender and for those of you who know like the japanese soldiers were were told never to surrender you're better off committing suicide dying for the the glory of the empire so there was a lot of times when people died unnecessarily cuz they mm-hmm. committed mass suicide together Ooh. Or they would just, you know, go into extreme conditions where it was obvious they were not going to survive. So they were trying to get people to surrender more, to quit fighting, to, you know, break the will of the enemy through underhanded means. Mm. All right. So the the fighters themselves and then the people back home. So one thing that they did was like they, uh, a big bag of mail had been found somewhere, taken, captured would be the right word. So it was Japanese letters and postcards home. They had already had the inspector stamp on it, so Mm. it was good to go, good to be mailed because it had already gone through that inspection process. So when they captured that mailbag, what Betty and her team did was change some of the wording, maybe just erased one sentence and wrote in a sentence saying something like, something that would just be showing that they're dispirited, mm. that they're feeling let down mm-hmm. by the government, by the emperor, hmm. things like that. Instead of having these patriotic letters going home that the censor would have approved, you now get a letter that maybe just has the slightest hint of discouragement. So the people at home start worrying about the soldiers. You know, the people at home start realizing, oh, maybe the stuff we're hearing from the government it doesn't isn't exactly true like there's some conflict here between what we're hearing from Mm -hmm. these different sources and so that you know black propaganda that's just a little bit of a nutshell of it I mean the the stories that are told in this book were just so fascinating there's a woman uh, who was a friend of Betty's who was really another great master or practitioner of black propaganda one of the ideas she had was to write these messages and, and put them in inflated condoms and float them out on the water which is awesome yeah, right yeah that's wild. Yeah. um and that woman actually ended up being charged with um treason
0: and and wow. things like that so 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 the book is a bunch of different like short stories essentially stories about that time you know what period. it's
1: about um you know it's kind of a it's looking at the war effort and what the OSS did okay. and how they did it okay. in in the whole india China realm, which is not an area of World War II that is gets written about a lot, really. I mean, it's the Pacific theater and the European theater that gets so much of the attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, again, I think we've talked about it before, that World War II was so massive mm-hmm. that for the first couple of decades, the narratives that were told were all of the, you know, the black and the white, the right. good and the bad, you know, right. the United States and Germany or Great Britain and Germany. And now, like, all these other... Areas of the war coming to light right. and being written about because there's space now for right. them. Right. So, so this is one of those books, and and also looking at how women con- contributed to mm. the war effort yeah. in yeah. different ways. Right. You know, not just like, as nurses, exactly, not right. just as nurses. I mean, the nurses did great work, and right. nurses Absolutely. did work yeah. behind the lines and under fire. I didn't mean to
0: say that disparagingly. Oh no, I don't. I'm just saying that that story is often told, and that's the portrayal you have of women in the war. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. But women were, you know, agents and undercover agents, and and they joined for wide variety of reasons. And I mean, if women could join the military back then. um, They wouldn't see the same action that somebody in the OSS would have. You know, I mean, like Julia Child wanted to join the military, but she couldn't. She was too tall. So right. that's, you know, she right. eventually, yeah. I don't know how she got recruited into the OSS. That's a, another hmm. book to discover, yeah. I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's amazing what she did. And she was in, so to get back to your question, see, when I talk about history, I just go on don't I? Like, yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to answer your question, it's about Betty's experience. It's about the OSS and how they were formed and evolved. And then at the end of the war, they were dissolved. Eventually, they were kind of incorporated into the CIA, which was formed then. Um, But Betty actually kept working. And Mm. she, even through, I think it was like the 70s, was on assignment. Well, it was in the 50s for sure. She wrote some kids' books under her new married name. And the guy, Dulles, who was in charge of the CIA... Had one of the books at least translated into Japanese, and sent her to Japan for an extended author tour, ah,
0: where tricky. she was
1: actually working with agents there. Right. In that's a pretty good disguise yeah, during the yeah. early days of the Cold War. Huh. Yeah. Cool. So, and she died at I think a hundred. So she's like a she was a just like two years ago she passed oh, wow. away in twenty fifteen. She was like a legend, and people in the CIA, you know, she was one of those people they. Stopped when she talked because she was, she had so much experience and so much knowledge, and she was still thinking about ways to weaponize or use as propaganda newer social media like Facebook. Mm. So, and this is a great tie in for a book I'm currently reading, and I'll talk about that later. And for now, I will stop talking. The book, in case you forgot, (laughs) is OSS Operation Blackmail One Woman's Covert War Against the Imperial Japanese Army by Anne.
0: Todd, and that's just new from uh, the Naval Institute Press. Excellent. Well, I just read the book that I said in episode 28. I'm not sure if I'm going to read, and that there was a stack of upcomings for me, and then I ended up picking it up and, and reading it, and it's called My Absolute Darling. It's by Gabriel Talent. Um, this was in, at, again, a book, another Book Expo book, yeah. um, and it was in that Editor's Buzz session that we went to the first day we got to Book Expo, and we were handed these books and um it's getting a lot of press it's like one of the talked about books this book season it's already it's it's out now it's from riverhead books and um it's his debut and it's it made me very angry <laughs> very angry and i even well anyway i I'm not exactly sure why I'm angry about it and there were a couple times when I wanted to put it down but just this is the one that I talked about to remind people that is about there's violence involved and what the violence is it's a father, Martin and he um, sexually abuses and emotionally abuses which often go together his daughter, the character's name is Turtle Alveston it's a work of fiction it's difficult to read and um, there are some very graphic sexual abuse scenes and then there's also that um the emotional abuse of someone who's kind of in love with their captor, essentially, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a parent love, it's just a different kind of love, right? It's inappropriate, it crosses boundaries, it's back but home it's, syndrome right. syndrome type thing. Yeah, yeah, but still her father and mm-hmm. it's what she knows, it's the relationship she knows. And um And they live kind of off the grid in Northern California. It's very, the book is very nature-focused. I mean, she's out in the woods. She's shooting things. You know, there's a lot of guns, if guns are a trigger for you, no pun intended. Lots of guns. She's trained to use weapons. Um, She hunts and kills animals and eats them. And they live in a house that's very minimalist and her father very much is all about the environment and the doom of society and what we're doing to the world and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I think the two things that, you know, I mean, just overarchingly, it's an upsetting story, right? But the two things that made me angry were, I think it's tricky for a man, Gabriel Talent is a man, to write about a young woman being sexually abused. Yeah, That part kind of rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> And then um, the other thing that kind of made me angry was she does go to school. She's in contact with teachers and principals and things like that, and they know that something is off in her household. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a a mother who was a principal, a teacher and a principal, an ex-husband who was a teacher, a sister who's a pediatrician. You know, you're required by law to report these things Mm -hmm. if you think that there's a problem. So it was a little unbelievable to me, the story, that a woman, a young woman could be so abused and obviously be living in a primitive way and that people who were in positions of authority in her life didn't take action Mm -hmm. and there's action that's kind of taken at the end of the book and that the other thing that bothered me is it was almost like I'm not a video game player but the book almost felt like that like one action sequence after another
1: interesting
0: and um to a culmination of like you know not this is a bit of a spoiler so you know spoiler alert silence this if you don't want to be spoiled there's kind of like a shootout scene even you Mm. know and so I just, the whole book rubbed me the wrong way, but did I put it down? No, it was yeah. a page turner also. Yeah, and it's yeah, a, you, you went know, through that fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I read it in two days mm-hmm. and it's, what is it, like a 400 page book. Yeah. So Inquiring Minds Want to Know, it's kind of that kind of a book, but it, it and also I think I wanted to know because it's so buzzed, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's on, it's the book right now when you go to bookstores, that's, you know, sitting by the cash register,
1: Okay.
0: you know? Yeah. So so that's what I have to say about it. And I, I will also say that I, you know, I had to go out and read some reviews because mm-hmm. I thought, you know, what is it about this? And if you go and and I'll put these links in the show notes, there's a an article just about this author in the New York Times right now that you can read because he comes from a mother that's a talented author whose name is escaping me right now, no pun intended, because his last name is Talent with two L's. <laughs> um, and he, it, but then there's also a review by an author named Paril Shigal, that wasn't glowing of the book in the times, and it really spoke to a lot of the things that bothered me about it. So I will encourage everybody to read those. Maybe before you decide to read the book.
1: Interesting. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know you said you were kind of on the fence, yeah. and then all of a sudden I saw on Goodreads that you'd finished it. Yeah. So I was like, damn. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. It was the one at the end of the last episode. I was like, I just don't know if I'm going to mm-hmm. crack the binding, and then as soon as I did, I was like, okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. For yeah. you know whether I want to or not, I'm I'm reading it. Yeah. You know. So. Well,
1: sometimes those books that rub you the wrong way are the ones that. Just keep you going. Yeah, I've yeah. had that experience before. I know I was on a plane one time reading a book, and I was like, ah, and I'm taking notes and everything. And Laura's like, if it's that bad, just stop. And I was <laughs> like, you know what? It's bad in a way that keeps me going. Yeah, because like I, yeah. I want to see. And...
0: Well, and I, I've said this. i there. I want to start getting like I love being lost in a story. I just hated the story. Yeah. that was the problem. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, so yep. and I love debut novelists, and and that's what I will say. The reviewer said like. Fantastic writer. I can't wait to see what he writes next. But... Yeah. Uh, it's tricky. You know? I've I yeah.
1: heard a lot of conversations in the the mystery writer community about, you know, men writing about violence against women, mm-hmm. especially when it's graphic. It's it's tricky. Yeah. It's, it is. You know, it really does rub people the wrong way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, read it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> My Absolute Darling by Gabrielle Talent.
1: So I read another one. Remember, I was reading uh, Sarah Wyman's that collection of women crime writers of the nineteen yeah. forties. So I finished the last novel in that collection, *The Blank Wall* by Elizabeth Sang. I don't know how to pronounce this name. It's S A N X A Y. Sang I'm not sure. Holding is the last name. So Elizabeth Holding to make it simple. (laughs) So this one was written in 1947, is when it was published anyway. And it's a really fascinating story about this woman who was living somewhere in Connecticut, Long Island, during the war. Her husband is an officer in the Navy. He's off on a ship somewhere in the Pacific. She has two kids, two teenage kids, a boy and a girl. And her father is also living with them. And her dad is an older English gentleman. Who's very proper, and they are very seemingly proper middle class people who are living they they had been living in the city and they're living now in this home that they're renting while the husband's away. The daughter is going to art school in the city and starts is she involved with this older man now so she's like what maybe seventeen or eighteen I'm not sure the guy she's been seeing is thirty five mm-hmm. and the mom is not having it. So she goes into the city and meets with him and tells him to back off Well, that doesn't work. He comes out to the house one night and the mom stops the daughter from going out to the boathouse. I'll just stop right there.
0: <gasps> da, 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 da.
1: I can, well, you know what? I can't stop right there.
0: <laughs> yes, you can.
1: I think that's awesome. Well, because let me just say this. And the mom makes a series of decisions and acts on these decisions And the rest of the book happens. Okay. So it's very much, it's kind of like a psychological, stressful type book about the mom. Because it's from her perspective. So in the beginning, everything is tranquil and lovely. And by the end, everything is like, you know, Mm. she's like frazzled. And you see the kids judging her. Mm. And and there's a lot of gender stuff going on in here. Um, There's the whole, the gender issue of being a housewife. There's the judgment of her children, of her being a housewife that she's boring and has really nothing going for her. There's stuff about uh, the rations during mm-hmm. the war, mm-hmm. gas, uh, meat, and things like that. And then the black market comes into play. Mm. Um, it was interesting. One of the things I wrote down here was uh, about the son. The son is a younger man. And the quote is, He wanted his mother to be not only conventional and beyond measure respectable, but practically invisible. Uh, Isn't that something? Yeah. And at another point, uh, later on in the book, she's trying to explain to her daughter why she's been like a little wackadoo. And uh, she says something to the effect of, the war makes people do queer, horrible things, especially middle-aged people. (laughs) So anyway, it was another good a good uh noir yeah. story. There are a lot of those elements. There's some gangster action. It's just a really good read. It really kept me I,
0: okay. I read it
1: very quickly too.
0: Well, you know, as a mother, I sometimes wonder like how far would I go to protect my children? Those are thoughts mm-hmm. I had, especially when they were teenagers, when they were doing some stupid shit, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, because you hear those stories of, you know, of course, most people who are in trouble, it's like they made a mistake, they made a stupid mistake, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, as a parent, how much would you be, how how far would you be willing to go to protect them from exactly. that mistake they yes. made and the consequences they yeah. might have to pay and, you know. Yeah,
1: and how much potential resentment and bitterness could the mom then have? when the kids don't even know what the hell's going on and the kids are judging you when you're trying to save them and
0: well let's be clear your kids judge you you know just because you woke up in the morning (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) you know there's that part too i mean i remember you know when your kids are a certain age you know they're just embarrassed by your existence right you know so it's like drop me on the corner mom (laughs) and could you duck down below the steering wheel while you're doing that you know (laughs) Yeah. I love my children, but, you
1: know. Yeah, the teenage years <laughs> yeah. are challenging. So anyway, that was The Blank Wall by Elizabeth Holding
0: in Sarah Weinman's Women Crime Writers of the 1940s. Excellent. Well, my next read um, was at the start of my vacation that I just took, and I have to say that um, at one point before we left on vacation, I texted Jim as I was gathering my reading material for the trip, and I said, how many books am I allowed to take on vacation? And he said, "Two." Two question mark, and then I sent him the picture of the 10 books I had already gathered, and that was on a quick five-minute perusal of my shelves, and he said, oh, two-zero. I left off the zero, so that was good news. I brought a huge bag of books. I told him I was going to read a book a day, which he kind of looked at me cross-eyed. I read one book, and I read that book the first day of vacation when he was doing a hundred-mile bike race, so... After that, not much reading happened. But the book that I did read, I was lucky enough to put on reserve at the library like three days before my vacation, and I can't believe that I got it. It had just been processed. It's the new Brene Brown book called Braving the Wilderness, The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone. It's a work of fiction. Brene Brown is an author that I love. She's written quite a few books. She's a um she's a social worker, and she has a way of writing about basically our culture via a lot of storytelling Mm -hmm. which I really enjoy it kind of helps you know she has an idea that she's trying to instill in you but then she tells a story which for me really helps it to understand it her book Daring Greatly I think I've talked about in the past was a book that I was reading and kind of doing um work with a group of women once a week Mm -hmm. right before I moved here that like the two months before I moved here and it was hugely helpful in my being able to take the leap to mm-hmm. make the move to Connecticut. So this book is essentially her response to where we've ended up now in our culture of about kind of being, um, separate, we're separate from each other. You know, we see each other, we other people a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's her response to that. And it's about how, um, we need to, be accepting of ourselves to belong in our society but then we also need to be willing to step outside of our comfort zone to do what's right sometimes and so she has four um, four kind of practical pieces of advice or, or I guess subject areas that she looks at in this book and they are people are hard to hate close up so move in speak truth to BS be civil <laughs> hold hands with strangers strong back soft front wild heart which that one's a little confusing and i don't want to go too deeply into but basically it's ways that we can look at ourselves and look at the people around us and try to um be civil with each other which is a word that's really important to me right now Mm -hmm. because one of the things she points out is like you know just not to get too political but even thinking about someone like donald trump You know, if you hate on Donald Trump and say heinous things about him, it's really no different than hating on Obama and saying heinous things about him. That it's problematic the way that we're, what our dialogue is like right now in society. And, And frankly, this past election, the thing that's been the most concerning to me is how we seemingly aren't taking important things seriously anymore. Like, as much as I am a fan of SNL, and I think SNL's humor is fantastic, particularly around political things we're also kind of making light of things that are really not funny mm-hmm. sometimes.
1: Absolutely. You yeah. know? Yeah, I agree.
0: I mean, even there was, you know, Sean Spicer appeared on the Emmys, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I don't even know what he said. I didn't watch it. I saw the headlines, and I was thinking, you know, that's not really funny no. yet to me. Mm-mm. Maybe it'd be funny 15 years from now. It's not funny yet. Yeah. You know? So where are we drawing lines? So I'm getting a little off on a tangent, yeah. but... I read this in one sitting. Jim did, he was biking for six hours, and in that time, this book was finished. And um, I highly recommend it. I have a feeling it would make a fantastic audio. I have listened to her other books, some of her other books on audio. Mm -hmm. And I think it gives some good practical advice, maybe if you're feeling a little hopeless these days. I mean, that's kind of a strong word, but or feeling like, how can I have some practical applications or things to do to love my neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. even if my neighbors are hard to love right now, yeah. you know. I would recommend picking up this book. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. So,
1: Well, I mean, to say the whole thing about Donald Trump, though, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and I agree, like, the name-calling and just trashing people, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that's really helpful at all, mm-hmm. but the the truth to bullshit? Mm-hmm. What, what was that? What did I, is that um, what she
0: said? It's, she said speak, speak truth to BS, Yeah, but I be think, civil.
1: Yeah, but be civil, mm-hmm. and I think like we, as a People can keep tossing it back,
0: like, this is not true, this is not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean... But in a
0: civilized way, is her point. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, I do honestly want to believe that people are doing the best they can, and I know sometimes that's a really naive outlook on the world, but I think it's good to, to lead with kindness. That's one of my mottos, so... She doesn't. She does talk about that. That's me. That's me adding. <laughs> Add that Renee. But um, I highly recommend you pick up her books. Her books are fantastic and they're easy. This was a quick read. It's mm-hmm. you know, 160 pages I think. Um, and she's also if you follow her on Facebook, she's doing a big tour right now, and she's doing these Facebook lives, which you can watch after the fact. Um, on each chapter, oh. when she gets to different venues, where mm-hmm. she just kind of. Gives you a little point about one of the chapters and just kind of talks. And she's just an interesting person. Yeah. You know, so. Very cool. Brene Brown, Braving the Wilderness. May just help. out. It just came out, I want to say, a lot, a, two weeks ago. Okay. So Let me try that one on audio. Yeah. And then I didn't read anything else after that on vacation. Yeah. Well, good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. We were vacating. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was. I was vacating. <laughs> what about you? Uh,
1: that was all that I read. I read the two books. Great. I don't think I read anything else. So what are you currently reading? Currently, I'm still listening to what happened on audio uh, by Hillary Clinton. And the the connection that I was thinking about with the OSS, Operation Blackmail, about um, Betty McIntosh, the Russian interference in our election, I think is basically black propaganda. Mm. By, you know, making up completely false stories and having them on the internet and getting people to recirculate them, things like yeah. that, you know, Clinton was running a sex slave operation out of a pizza parlor or, you know, that she has these different diseases and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Cause they're know, distracting yes, techniques, it's right? Getting,
1: yeah. It's distracting techniques and it's getting people to, to not care or to question or to just stay home and not vote, you know, Mm -hmm. a sense of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have, I think hopelessness is not too strong of a word to use Mm -hmm. the way a lot of people are are feeling these days. Um, So what happened is I'm really enjoying it, and um, it's kind of overwhelming to hear about that whole election Mm. cycle all at one time. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because it's like she's starting from the decision to run Mm. um and she does a good job of like weaving in uh, the backstory of you know from the time when she was in law school even um even growing up you know stories Mm. about that uh so it's not just about what happened in this election there's background that's relevant to her career okay which is really interesting
0: Great. Yeah, so that's, Yeah. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, did you see that she's coming to Madison, I'm sorry, R.J. Julia, Middletown, there's going to be a book signing.
1: Yeah, just a straight signing, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I know, I'm tempted, but yeah. I
1: know, you know, I saw her speak in like the 90s, shortly Mm. after Bill was elected. She was on tour, not on tour, well, I guess so. It was a, uh, she was doing a lot of town hall meetings around the country about healthcare mm-hmm. and seeing what kind of questions people had and this and that. And I went to one of those, and it was out in Nebraska. And I was impressed by her mm-hmm. and the fact that she took questions. And if she didn't know the answers, an aide on stage wrote the question down. And mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't get flustered, she didn't get mad. And I don't know, I think to be a lifelong politician, a career politician, yeah. I just, yeah. I couldn't hack it. No, no, thank I you. I just could not. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to read. And I have been having thoughts of getting it, my hands on a, a paper copy. Yeah. Because I would like to see the table of contents. I'd like to see the index. Yeah. And if there are any footnotes and things like mm-hmm. that, just to get a little bit more information about the things that I want to learn more about. Yeah. Like the whole Comey thing. Mm-hmm. And what happened with that is the section I just finished listening to. And his decisions. Right. And it's like, why? Yeah. 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 So anyway, I know a lot of people are really giving it good reviews. Yeah. So. Great.
0: Well, I'm reading um, a book of short stories that I picked up when we went to Three Sisters. No, Three Lives. Oh. I always want to call it Three Sisters, which is a great restaurant in Maine, by the way. <laughs> um, Three Lives bookstore in New York, and it's called Scary Old Sex. <laughs> Yeah, and I was reading this one on vacation, I picked it up, there was one night when Jim and I sat on the couch for about half an hour and read next to each other, and I turned the cover, and it says, scary old sex, and his eyebrows went up, but, um...
1: What a title. Yeah, and
0: I got through the first story, and it was kind of intense, but she's a great writer, so, um, I'm hoping to continue. We talked about short stories, I think, the last episode, how Mm -hmm. I always love the idea of them, and then I have a hard time just picking them up. Yeah. So I brought it on vacation thinking I would get through it. I read one of the stories. but So anyway, it's interesting. And it was a little bit, you know, obviously it's about, there's some sex in it. Mm-hmm. So um, more to come. I'm going to try to work through it some more in the next couple of weeks, and I'll talk more about it on the next episode, Excellent. I hope.
1: Cool. You know, I used to do for a while was I would read one book a week, usually. Mm-hmm. Like, I would start it, say, on Monday, and then if I finished it on Thursday, I wouldn't start another book mm. until the Monday. Oh, so then you like, the short stories. And then, like, I'd have these brain, yeah, brain space yeah. for short stories or magazines yeah. or something, and I've been having thoughts about something like that again. I don't really know.
0: Well, see, I put this down. I read the one story, and then I literally put it down, mm-hmm. and then I picked up. The novel I'm reading, yeah, and started reading that. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't bother me to do that because it's kind of the pleasure of a short story, unless it's one of those where they're really interwoven short stories, you know, and you need to keep Um, the
1: momentum kind of, yeah, yeah, Yeah. very cool. Well, I'm also reading And Fire Came Down by Emma Visick, I think is how you pronounce her name, V I S K I C. And she's an Australian writer. I read her first book. A mystery Writer, Mystery Thriller. Um, her first one came out last year, and it was Resurrection Bay. Really awesome. And it won the Ned Kelly Award for Best Debut. And the Ned Kelly Award is the Australian equivalent to, like, the Edgar Awards here. Okay. It's given by the Australian Crime Writers Association. So it won Best Debut with them. And then the David Awards, that's given through the Sisters in Crime organization, which is... In America, too, it's a. Each country has its own Sisters in Crime, and that's an organization that was started in part by Sarah Paretzky to help bring more gender inclusivity to the mystery writing field yeah. to support yeah. women writers that's of cool. mysteries because it used to be such a male-dominated field. Um, but it won. I guess it's pretty unprecedented. It won three David Awards. Best adult novel, best debut, and then the Readers' Choice Award. Wow. So Resurrection Bay, I totally recommend it. I loved it, which is why I was really looking forward to and Fire Came Down coming out. The main character, Caleb Zelek, is his name. He is a deaf detective. Oh well, wow! Is he? Yeah, he's a he's a a fraud investigator, but you know he's the detective of the novel. He's the okay. protagonist. And I really love what she does with him because he has hearing aids that help him, but he often doesn't wear them uh-huh. out of sometimes stubbornness or just, you know, not having them because right. they do cause problems too, the yeah. hearing aids. Auslan is the sign language that is used in Australia. Hmm. And uh, Emma studied it to incorporate it in, into the novel. So the, the character being a deaf guy investigating things Brings a lot of different perspectives to the investigation and raises a lot of different problems
0: that can come up.
1: But then also he does have an advantage sometimes too.
0: Right, because he's using his other senses. He's using so, his but, yeah. But I'm and confused, can, is this the is this character the same? He's in both of the books. Yeah, okay. so it's
1: like, you know, like Louise Penny is right. the Inspector Gamash. Right, right. Um, so her series is the Caleb Zelda gotcha. series, and okay. this is number two. And I I had to I ordered it through book depository. And the first order never came, and they sent an email saying, sorry, we had to cancel your order. So I waited a couple weeks and tried again, and yay, it came. Nice. So just started it. I'm really loving it. I like her writing. She's really, she, there's a great level of sarcasm and great writing. And Australians, you know, she uses a lot of Australian slang and lingo. Yeah. And I just really enjoy it because my Australian cousin's, like, I can hear that speech right, pattern right. when I'm reading that's it. That's cool. So, that's kind of puts you in
0: the place. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, that's And Fire Came Down by Emma Visick. And I'm reading a novel called The Last Chinese Chef by Nicole Monis. And um, she's the author of Lost in Translation, oh, which I, I didn't read, but I saw the movie starring Bill Murray. And I bought this book at North in Vermont, <laughs> The Infamous Trip We Took. <laughs> When we, on the way back, decided to start a podcast. Woo-hoo! So it's kind of cool that I'm finally picking it awesome. up. That's And the cover kind of caught my eye. It's a beautiful kind of little um, bowl with some eggs in it. And, um, and of course, you know, it's about food. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> of course, I'm going to read it. But um, it's so far, I'm really enjoying it. And it's about a woman who is a journalist. She works for a magazine. And she... Her husband has died, which happens at the very beginning of the book. So she's a very young widow, and she's kind of in a little bit of a stupor because she's still very much experiencing her grief. Mm-hmm. And she finds out that her husband had been traveling to China. He was a lawyer. And um, a paternity suit Oops. is shows up and appears. And he's now dead, and she's, you know has to go to China to deal with this, but at the same time, they ask her to, since she's going to be there, to go on assignment to interview an American, um, a Chinese-American chef that's moved back to China where all of his family is, and she's going to write about him. So I'm at the very beginning of it, but I'm really enjoying it so far, and um, it's kind of a fun mix of, there's a real storyline, but then there's also just scenes of this guy cooking, which I'm loving, and he talks a lot about how important texture is in Chinese cooking, mm. and also how you can use different herbs and stuff for healing, which I do believe in, and yeah. herbs in your food. So there's one scene where he's he finds out that she's grieving, and so he makes her a big chicken dish with, I think it was um, ginger and... Coriander or something like that. These herbs mm-hmm. that are for grief. So, so I'm really enjoying it. The Last Chinese Chef by Nicole Monis, which whose nice. name I'm probably completely butchering. <laughs> but
1: oh, I like that. It's like the, the the quote from Galen: "Let food be your medicine, and medicine be your food." Ooh, I've never heard yeah, that. he's I like a, that. he's an ancient Roman. I think he was Roman. Mm. He could have been Greek. I'm not sure now. But yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. <laughs> uh, I'm reading two other books, and they are the kind of books that I'm reading here and there. Uh, the first is How to Read Water: uh, Clues and Patterns from Puddles to the Sea. That's by
0: Tristan Gooley, and it's reading, fascinating reading so far. It, yeah, yeah um, he was at RJ, and I wanted to go see him, and I missed it. Yeah,
1: same here. I don't right. remember why. I think, yeah, I just couldn't yeah. go that night. I wanted to hear that. Uh, and then the other book is The Hidden Life of Trees. What they feel, how they communicate, and that is by Peter Wohlleben. Yes, another fascinating read. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they're both two really different, obviously, nature books, but Mm -hmm. really approaching their subjects so differently than your traditional nature writing does. So I'm enjoying them very
0: much. Great. Well, should we talk about our biblio adventures? Please, yeah. We had at that when we finished recording very quickly episode twenty eight. We literally jumped in the car and drove to New Haven and went to see Minjin Lee, our buddy, who's the author of Pachinko, and she was um, doing a session for the Wyndham Campbell Prize, kind of like their weekend of events. Yeah. At the New Haven Public Library, which I had never mm-hmm. been to. And, you know, we didn't really take the time to walk around the library, it occurs to me, because this yeah. event was kind of in the basement, and we could enter right I'm off sorry. the street. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And it was
1: neat, because the, the, there was a mural around the building, around the room, I'm sorry, of
0: Rip Van oh, right. Winkle. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Which I thought was kind of Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. And it was a very civilized in that we showed up, and there was this beautiful spread of... Lunch, food, yes. sandwiches and salads. Chris and I were like, wow, living large. Yeah, we were
1: going to be meeting uh, my friend Michelle there and then going to lunch, right. but then we all just ate there instead. Yeah,
0: and it was the sort of thing you got your plate of food and then sat down in these seats and listened. And it was, minjin Lee was moderating, and it was four of the authors, there were several authors who were awarded the prize, but this was a panel of four of them. And it was um, Ali Kabi Eckerman, who is a, both a p- poet and memoirist. And Chris talked about her book on episode twenty-eight. Yeah, too afraid to cry It's right. a really powerful memoir. And then Maya Jasanoff, and um, she wrote the book Liberties, Exiles: American Loyalists in the Revolutionary World*.
1: Yeah, I bought that one. Yeah. to that.
0: And then Erna Brodber, who I guess she wrote um, *Nothing's Mat*, which was a work of fiction. And then Ashley Young, who is from New Zealand, and she wrote Can You Tolerate This? which was a collection of essays. Right, yeah. Essays.
1: Now, right. I bought that one because Minjin Lee said it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's obviously every book here is right, amazing, right. but she just really uh, whacked on about yeah. nonfiction essays, slightly, I guess, memoir ish.
0: And she, um, Minjin Lee, I thought, did a fantastic job. They only had an hour, and that's a lot of authors for a one hour yes. panel. She did a really good job of letting everybody, you know. She asked questions, but she gave everybody equal time to talk. Nobody went on and on where you felt yeah, like, you know, where's exactly. the
1: hook? And nobody seemed rushed. Right. Was yeah. Calm. And that was just a half hour before the panel started, is when Menjin Lee had found out that her book Pachinko was up for a National Book Award. Right. So there was a big cheer yeah. in the room
0: for her. It was kind of funny, like, Chris and I were looking at each other like, does the librarian who's introducing this event even know? Well, of course she knew, you know, but, um, you know, like, we need to tell her, God, like, we're in charge of the world. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it was really sweet. And, of course, Min Jin Lee was, you know, kind and sweet and didn't say a word about any of it. But, you yeah. know, it was nice that – and we did get to talk to her at the end, which was nice, and congratulate her, you yeah. know. Um, but it was a great panel, and I, I went out and bought – um. Allie Co- Kobe Eckerman. Yeah. yeah, I bought her memoir for my daughter Rachel. Did I say what the name of hers was? Too afraid to cry. Oh right, you yeah. said it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a great mm-hmm. event. I'm really glad we went. I am too. Yeah. yeah. It's great
1: to, yeah. to be there to to hear all of these different writers. Yeah. from around the world.
0: And um, we also went to the Guilford Library sale together, which we is did. our local library. Last week it was a great sale. Yeah. As always, I mean they really do it.
1: Amazing job. I, I guess the community does amazing job donating books yeah. for this sale. I mean, I saw several out-of-state, well, New York, mm-hmm. out-of-state license plates yeah. around. So people do come far and wide for this.
0: So what did you buy? Do you? Re- I only bought two books. I behaved. This was right before I was taking off on my vacation. And I, so I gave myself, I think we were there for like 45 minutes. <laughs> but I bought, um, a, I think it's a, it's nonfiction. Ninety-seven Orchard, an edible history of five immigrant families in one New York tenement, mm-hmm. by Jane Z- Ziegelman. And part of why I bought it is, of course, it's about food. But um, this is where Aunt Ellen lives in this neighborhood, so it's it was cool. very interesting to me. It has the most adorable picture of these totally. two little girls holding big loaves of bread. That's one of the ones I bought, and then I bought another nonfiction called, "Who the Hell Is Pansy O'Hara." The Fascinating Stories Behind Fifty of the World's Best Loved Books. Very cool. Which I thought, I saw that there was something about um, Grapes of Wrath in here, which I haven't had the time to read, but I thought I would read it, and then maybe we could talk about it on a future episode. Sounds good. So those are the two I bought. What about oh. you?
1: Well, we'll have to do a field trip. Okay. To Aunt Ellen's again. Okay. After you read that. And, oh,
0: she she, she would not mind out. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <And Pete again. laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure that there's, I mean, there's... Um, You know, like even there's a guy around the corner from where she lives called the Pickle Man who I go to visit every time I'm there and I bring home a big thing of pickles and I'm sure that the Pickle Man's been there forever. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting To And I always like reading about a place where I've been and Mm -hmm. I have some familiarity with. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I purchased five books there and that was more than I intended. But, uh, you know, they're inexpensive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I picked up Two Old Women by Velma Wallace and that's a, based on a Native American story hmm. that I hadn't heard about before, but it's two old women who get kicked out of their tribe because they've been bitching and moaning too much. <laughs> so that'll be interesting. <laughs> uh, another one is "Bead on an Ant Hill. Uh, red Shirt is the woman's last name. I don't remember her first name. That's another, it's a memoir. Um, she's a Native American who grew up on a reservation. Mm. So it's her memoir of that. They wrote the book, 13 Women Mystery Writers Tell All. Mm. It's about their their writing. Uh, that is by Helen Windrath. She edited it, I should mm. say. Outlander by Jane Rule. It's a collection of her essays. And then I found a first edition of The Professor's House by Willa Cather that I, I couldn't... Ah resist it's not a first printing but Mm. it's a first edition that's exciting so yeah i love it i love the because she spent uh she was very much involved in the design of her books and she wanted different designs for different books to have different vibes Hmm. so um that's kind of cool to have nice and it's nice it's like right where you hold it in the middle of a book the spine it's all frayed uh, so you can tell yeah. like it's been read a yeah. lot. It's not That's just cool. a one-time reader gift that just sat on the shelf. Right. So, it's kind of neat.
0: Nice. Well, I went on my trip, um we stopped very briefly on the way from New Hampshire down to the Cape. We stopped in Newburyport and went to Jabberwocky Books, oh, which I love. Hi, Jennifer. I'm sorry I didn't get to see you. We were there literally for a minute um, and got a cup of coffee and a pastry at that great coffee shop around the corner from Jabberwocky and strolled through the bookstore and then went on our merry way. And I picked up a really cool... I always like to go see the journals, what they have. And this is issue 64 of Creative Nonfiction. And it's just, you know, just that. It's like short stories and different stories, um, nonfiction stories, so... Mm -hmm. Um, And my plan, I bought it because my plan was to read them to Jim as he drove, (laughs) which didn't happen. So now I have to read, but it looks really interesting. So that's what I bought there. And he bought the the Bruce Springsteen memoir, which um, is supposed to be really good. I've heard it's really good on audio, actually, but he's reading it. Very cool. And then I went to the Yellow Umbrella Bookstore in Chatham, Mass., which is a really cool bookstore, and that's where the picture of Jim on Facebook comes from. Yeah, it looks like a cool shop. Yeah, it's kind of long and narrow. I asked them, it's been there since 1980, so it's had a good long run. And um, it's one of those where they have used new, which I Mm -hmm. really like. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. Yeah, And we didn't spend very much time there. I got some postcards, but... um, it, it was a cool story, and Chatham was a really cool little small town, so mm. um, I'd like to go back there. Cool.
1: I'd love to go there. Yeah. I haven't been to the
0: Cape yet. Yeah, this was my yeah. first time. I'd never been. I love it. I could go back tomorrow, actually. <laughs> <Run> <laughs> cool. All right, well, I didn't go on any other litter.
1: Oh, well, what did I, I did stop in at the Branford Library Sale, oh, okay. which is the town next door to us. They had their library sale this weekend. Okay. But I didn't buy anything. I just okay. you know, I I'm loving the books I'm reading right now and I have so many books at home that I'm excited to get to. Yeah. That it was kind of like, hmm, you know, I don't really want to get anything else yeah. right now. Like I feel like I'm just getting a grip on what <laughs> I have that you at home.
0: own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so upcoming jaunts. I have one. I have um, coming to RJ Julia in Madison on October 17th is Gabrielle Zevin. She was the author of The Storied Life of AJ Fickery, which was a really popular book several years ago um, that I really enjoyed. And she has a new book coming out called Young Jane Young. And she looks kind of like, she just looks like an interesting person. So I'm looking forward to that event. So. Cool. I don't have
1: any author events that I'm going to at this point. Um, but I did want to talk about an upcoming event. The Dewey's 24-hour readathon is coming up October 21st, and that is a nationwide, international readathon that started 10 years ago uh, by. It was started by a woman named Dewey who was a book blogger, and her blog was <laughs> The Hidden Side of a Leaf. Now I didn't quote know Dewey. Uh, she's passed away oh, since. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've kept her readathon going under her name, specifically Andy from Estella's Revenge, and then uh, the Capricious Reader, who I've mentioned before. So they're keeping it going, and this is the 10-year anniversary. It's going to be huge. Like they do it every October, but then in April too, they in the spring they have a, a marathon a readathon that's a little bit smaller, but the the fall. October read on is always huge. So what they do is it starts at the same time around the world by time zone. And here on the East Coast, last year we started at 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. So you read as much or whatever from 8 a.m. to 8 a.m. or whatever your time zone start is. And what they do is they have, every hour on the hour, they have a blog post that's kind of like a mini-challenge of some kind, That's just, you know, aimed to keep people connected or a way for people to connect even more than just reading, but to participate in these fun challenges that they have. So it's a great way to meet other readers. When it first started, it was mainly just book bloggers who did this. But now with the, the rise of social media and all of these book people on different, you know, social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, they, everybody can participate on whatever site they want to good reads as well. They have a good read site. Okay. So it's really fun. Um we'll put the link in the show notes if you're interested in finding out more about it or signing up as a reader. It's absolutely free. Um the thing about signing up and then participating in some of those mini challenges is you can win stuff. Usually books okay. or sometimes gift cards, but you know book related fun things, bookmarks, whatnot. Um, so that's a lot of fun. I've been doing it I don't know how many years I've done it now. And sometimes I may only be able to read for three or four hours, depending on what's going on in my right. life. One time I know I, I read from 8 a.m. until 3 a.m. Wow. That's as non-stop? long as I made it. Pretty much nonstop, you know, letting the dogs out to right, play right, pee right. and things yeah. like that. But, yeah, pretty much nonstop. That would be so fun. It was amazing. And, and for those of you who have little kids or something, and you think there's no way in hell I could do that, um, I know some people... Involve their family and they have kind of like a family readathon. I've heard of at least one person whose husband sent her away to a hotel oh. for the weekend so she could have peace and quiet to just read. Um, but when you go to the website, uh, which is 24hourreadathon.com and 24 is the numer- numerals 24, they share advice and recommendations and just other things people have done to kind of make it a fun event. For the whole family or something you do solo. Yeah. So it's a great way to connect with other readers and find out about a lot of different books. Mm -hmm. You know, books, as you say, you know, you think like, how many more books are there in the world that are fantastic that I've never heard of? A lot. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) So this is just a fun way to do that. And, um, you know, I hope you'll consider joining the effort. I I know I'm going to be reading that day. Mm. What day is it again? It is October
0: 21st. It's Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to be traveling that day, but maybe I'll have time to read yeah. because I'm traveling. We'll yeah. see. Cause yeah, because it's, you know, it's like no pressure. Right. You know, I mean, right. and some people
1: say, I'm going to read, you know, Gone with the Wind or Warm Peace. Right. I'm just going to try and make it through this one huge book. And other people say, I'm going to try and read 25 books. And so they pick smaller books or right. they'll do a lot of graphic novels. So people have their own personal challenges that they try to accomplish. Right. So. Yeah,
0: that would be a cool way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to really you know add a challenge to the twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. So a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Um. And then just a to, to a little um note too on the upcoming read along that we're going to have. We're still oh, right. taking people's input on that. We started a Goodreads group yes. on Goodreads. Please join our group if you're interested. And we have um. What do you call it? A. a, a Conversation thread. A discussion thread yeah. on the read along. So feel free to pipe in if you're not part of Goodreads. You know, tweet, Facebook, email us. We'd love to hear your input on what you think we should read next, and yeah. we'll talk. We'll make the decision on the next, the episode. next yeah.
1: episode. Yeah, episode thirty. We'll tell everybody what the book is going to be, and we'll also have another giveaway
0: because right. it will be another ten episodes. Unbelievable! They totally just keep coming and going by. Yes, they do. <laughs> So what, okay. what do you have on this on the upcoming reads, Chris?
1: Upcoming reads, I want to, well, I have, um, I just got an advanced reader copy of a new novel by Sue Halgarth, Death Comes, a Willa Cather and Edith Lewis Mystery. Ooh. Yeah. Total ooh. Um, this is going to be the second book in this series. The first one was called On the Rocks. Um, Sue Halgarth is a I, I'm. She might be retired now. I'm not really sure, but she's a professor and a Cather scholar who has turned her hand to writing mysteries. Ooh, so, uh, Willa fun. Cather and her, her partner, Edith Lewis, are living life and getting involved in mysteries. That's so, so cool. I looking love forward it. To it's it. a cool cover. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this one is set in 1926, uh, yeah, in New Mexico. Because Death Comes for the Arth- Archbishop is set there, and that's Cather's. One of her, I mean, they're all of her novels are famous, right? <laughs> right. But Death Comes for the Archbishop is one of the the big heavies, and she thought it was her her best work, I believe.
0: Okay. Yeah. How fun. So, so did Comes. you read the first one? I did.
1: Okay. Yeah. Did you like it? You know, um, I thought it was a little on the slow side. Okay. But I I love the the idea of it, and I love that she is making Willa Cather and Edith Lewis into characters. Yeah doing mysteries and and edith lewis was more the main character and willow was just kind of in the background a little bit but you know she pops up um so yeah i i'm looking forward to seeing how she's grown as a writer right and i was gonna say it
0: could be kind of like the louise penny where the first one was a little bit yeah not your favorite but then you were Mm -hmm. into it maybe she'll just keep getting better and better absolutely you know
1: and i'd rather have a writer go that way right than the other way because you you know so often that writer that first book is just so tremendous. And then right. they come out with the, what they call the sophomore effort, which right. could be the sophomore slump, which is just kind of a dud. Right. So, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. It comes out sometime in October. I don't think this had an exact release date. Um, but, again, that's Death Comes by Sue Hellgroth.
0: Awesome. And I have one um, coming up called Grace by Natasha Dion. And this is for my, I'm part of a Bicoastal Book Club and this is our next read, and it's blurbed by a lot of heavy hitters on the back. And it's about um, a slave in 1840s South. You know, obviously, I haven't cracked the binding, so we'll see. But um, I'm interested to read it.
1: That looks really familiar. Does it? Yeah,
0: it does. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, another action-packed episode, That's Emily. That's right. coming to an end.
0: Yeah. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening, and happy reading.
1: Thanks so much for listening to The Book Cougars with Emily Fine and Chris Wallach. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Book Cougars. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us. It can help other listeners find us. Thank you.